means it's real. But a pink cover doesn't make a book vapid. When BTS dear boy with love. <laughs> yes, Chloe, it's that and not feminism. That's the reason why we're chiclet for life. Oh man, like how has it taken us this long to all get together to like sit down and record? Well, we're characters that Elsie made up for the podcast. So this is, this is kind of on her no? Well, like, yeah, but I mean, like, but also we're wrecked. Like, yeah, and I just, I don't know why. Like, have we actually been doing anything? Uh, speak for yourself. I learned how to say, will we go to the library in Korean? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Thou so gwane galeo, Sarah. Um, shut up. Okay, be like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you know, Clo Clo's been uh, kung buhaying her Korean. Like I really have girls. I really have. <laughs> what else? Uh, what else have you guys been up to? Um. Well, remember how I really got into strength training there? Oh yeah, with your terrifying trapezius muscle. The very same. Yeah. Um. Well, as one hundred percent expected, I have completely fallen out of that, and now I'm a delightful doughy mess with a, a still terrifyingly overdeveloped neck. Okay, so like if Dwayne the Rock Johnson was turned into a croissant by a sorceress. <laughs> like, actually, kind of, yeah. Like, why do you always say Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Like, why both names? Surely it's one or the other, man. Okay, Katie, that is peak jabroni talk and I will not stand for like, it. Dude, Sersh is gonna stick both her boots up your candy ass if you keep going like that. This is legitimately dangerous. Well, like, I mean, if that's what it's gonna take for Katie to smell what The Rock is cooking, <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> the, the, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment aside. Oh, I don't, I don't know how I feel about moving on this quickly from, from The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> what What else? What else are you up to, Sersh? Oh, oh, my God. Like, I wish I was watching Monday Night Raw in, like, 2002 instead of, like, watching Glenn Greenwald self-destruct over the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, like, now. He is, like, legitimately the worst person ever. Glenn Greenwald is not the worst person ever, Katie. Think about his work with Edward Snowden. My God. I mean, you might say that he's delivered the people's elbow to the Bolsonaro administration in Brazil. How dare you, sir? An administration that still has significant sway within the country? The People's Elbow is the most electrifying move in sports entertainment invented by the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. The Rock threw Stone Cold Steve Austin off a bridge, Sarah. He was intercontinental champion, undisputed WWE champion. He was the True. Scorpion King. I mean, my God. My God. Like, why are you being so flippant about this, man? There is nothing flippant about the unbeatable nature of the People's Elbow, Katie. Like, whatever. The Colorant House verdict is a travesty, that's all. Yeah, like, I think we all can agree on that. I mean, there are women serving, like, 15 to 20 years in prison in the US right now for, like, killing abusive partners in self-defense. And, you know, based on what I've been reading most of the time, they didn't show up with a loaded AR-15. He had an assault rifle. Oh, you're, you're done with your phone. You're joining us now. I was practicing the future tense cleaner. I will have you know. Oh, well then, Galkeo. Okay, you know, Galkeo. This is, 
This is surprising to me. We will speak later, okay? Malhe guess I am. All right. Don't think Pretty you can sure make that wrong. decision for me linguistically, but anyway. Um, <laughs> did you I didn't know you were into guns, Chloe. Well, like I'm not, but like I've played Call of Duty. Like I just thought your man had his dad's handgun or something and like went down to protest to pretend to be a policeman, but he was down there with like a actual army gun. Like, dude, like he was there with an actual army gun should be the tagline for the entire trial. For real. Like But like the most awful thing about it. Well, not the most awful thing about it. The most awful thing about it is the lack of justice. But for me personally, like, I'm horrified at, like, how quickly I'm, like, getting past it and, like, wh- like other hideous things happening at the same time. Like, what do you mean? Like, I'm, like, wall-to-wall obsessing about this. No, 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 I know. But, like, say last week or was it the week before last? I can't remember. But, like... Remember we were like fully unable to look away from the horror that was the Astro World disaster. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was just like frantically refreshing my Twitter feed like yeah, like unable to stop looking at the posts around that. Well, actually, in case anyone's not clear on anything that we're kind of talking about the, uh, who's listening, just a content warning to begin with. Um we're going to talk in in a little detail about um some disasters that have happened in crowds um so if the detail of that would be would be triggering for you um if you skip forward to the 10 minute mark um we can assure you that at that point we are just talking about the kardashians but yes to explain um a little bit about um what it is we're talking about just to catch you guys up first off um congratulations on your mind which is uncluttered with the hideous workings of our world but yeah the the kyle rittenhouse verdict was released just last week um, he's an 18 year old that shot and killed two people in self-defense with an assault rifle um, that he brought with him um, when helping with with the violence that broke out at a Black Lives Matter protest in in Wisconsin. He was found not guilty of murder unlike many 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 women that have killed their abusive partners and then yeah, two weeks ago, um, there was this festival in Houston, in Texas, um, called Astro World. It's run by Travis Scott. Um, there was this huge crowd surge, um, and like eight people died. I think it's ten now. Like there, there were people who died of their injuries in hospital and stuff. Oh man! Like there are other crowd crushes like that have happened. Like like Hillsborough, nearly a hundred people died. Like why are you just throwing that out there like it's something people would know about? Because like everyone is a lot more cultured than you, Katie. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was a, a crowd surge at um, it was a football match between Liverpool and Man City, I think. But yeah, like it was real badly managed. People just let people through and people got like crushed like we're suffocated now I thought everybody knew about Hillsborough well I mean we have to be mindful that we do have some international listeners um, who don't have access to RTE's reeling in the ears yeah it is a supremely Irish thing to want to watch publicly funded stock footage pieced together from a particular year over whatever Westlife song was out at the time it is the most patriotic I feel watching reeling in the ears <laughs> But but no, back to your point, Chloe, you're right. Hillsborough was, was much more deadly. But the the weird thing about this is it's like it's the first time 
we have like first-hand accounts like like with any footage you see of Hillsborough you're sort of like oh my god people needed to be pulled up over the barriers you know were they injured and that caused you know the death toll but like accounts on Twitter and Instagram of like not being able to physically breathe because there are people all around you and like being pulled down in the crowd being stood on and people can't see that you're a person like it's it's so horrible it's the first time I think we've had that like I don't know access to what it was like yeah yeah and it really did yeah like lead to just this compulsive yeah like you say sir it's just reading it over and over again it's horrible yeah but like the thing is as well and and just so that we're all clear this is going to be kind of woke alert woke alert <laughs> <laughs> I'll never get tired of that but no, but like for me, I really do think that the only reason this is resonating so much with people like us is because that could have happened to any of us at any gig we've gone to. Like, like, but that's the most privileged position we could be coming from. Like, like we get to go to concerts and stuff and we, we don't have to think twice about our safety. It's usually completely guaranteed so so when something horrific happens like this that's chronicled immediately on social media it's it's so hard like not to see yourself in the place of those people because they're pretty much exactly the same as us and they're on this platform in these positions where we're listening to them these are the people we follow but I mean in the same week there was a fire in a school in Niger where more than 20 primary school children were killed 11,000 refugees are fleeing to Uganda from the Congo to escape fighting that's happening there there are migrants freezing to death at the Belarus-Poland border New Delhi has been coated in the thickest smog you ever saw for like the fifth straight day and like Eritrean refugees in Ethiopia are being abducted and returned forcibly to Eritrea but we're not following any of that because none of those people affected are relatively affluent Western kids. We're able to distance ourselves from it. And get immediately distracted the second Chris Jenner arranges for photos to be taken of Pete Davidson holding hands with Kim. Oh my God, girls, you don't think she organized that, do you? But, uh, that is basic PR, Chloe, like genuinely. The Kardashians like really are pure evil, aren't they? I don't they? know. I kind of appreciate them showing clearly the amount of like man hours, staff, money and surgery necessary to look like that and live that life. Oh my God, same shit. <laughs> like I was on this juice cleanse thing for like like a half hour one time and like then <laughs> I just saw them when I was flicking through the stations looking for like say yes to the dress <laughs> oh you wanted to see someone getting to look like a princess <laughs> like yeah but like a sexy princess doll yes prostitute mermaid brass doll got it <coughs> exactly Sarah you get me <laughs> but, like, yeah then, yeah when I was when I was looking for for yes yes to dress for for these brides that want to look like sexy mermaids um <laughs> sexy mermaid princesses the, I, I yeah I caught this episode of keeping up with the Kardashians and they were like all sitting in the kitchen in these like high chairs getting made up and blow dried by like 15 different people like eating bowls of salad and being shown like 15 in different outfits they could wear that day if they wanted oh my god like is this one of those stories that just ends with you saying so then I went down <gasps> to the chipper oh my god that's <laughs> 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 Day girl, <laughs> I 
actually shrieking at me right now. Shut up, you love it. Yes, as much as, as, much as the Kardashians, the Hillsborough disaster and early 2000s WWE, that's, that's pretty much everything that people uh, tune into this show for, right? But um, yeah, as much as, as, as that is what our, our target demographic are after, uh, it might be nice to take a second to talk about books. Yes? yes. Oh my God, please. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> Okay, um, so today we are going to talk about the third of our people, what we love loads authors, uh, Deirdre Sullivan. Okay, but like real talk, is Elsie going to crash the show right now so she can talk about how proper, like obsessed she is with like Deirdre? It's kind of weird. Oh no, Chloe, it's like super adorable to see like the terrifying extent of her girl crush. Like you guys, that term is so offensive, man. Yeah, but oh my God, you are just so annoying, like, Katie. No, dude, it's like such a problematic phrase. It's like 100% the same as a guy being all like, oh, yo, I'm not gay, but like, your hair is nice. Sarah? What? Oh, shit, yeah, sorry. Woke Like, it's like totally assumptive that the hetero experience is the normal experience. Like, oh, I have a girl crush on another girl where I think she's awesome and want to go for lunch and tell her she's great. And like maybe do some light hair braiding while lying on a floor in the afternoon sun. Have... Have you been reading my dream journal? Clearly, like there's a whole second act to that in your dream journal, though. I think that needs to be taken into account. That is an excellent point. Dude, like, you should be the most upset by that term out of anybody here. Like, being real, Katie, I don't exactly have the opportunity right now to be upset by straight girls saying they have girl crushes on people or being all, like, pseudo-sexual with each other and stuff. Like, yeah, I get how it would get old very fast. Um, like, you think someone's into you when they're actually into some fella that plays club football and if we were alive 20 years ago. Like, yeah they would have been on for sending me to a psychiatric ward to get sorted out. Like, yeah, that'd be pretty shit. But like at the moment, I'm a little more concerned with my crippling loneliness than what people said pre-COVID that would have been kind of shit in social situations. So you agree it's a shitty thing to say then? <laughs> like, I really want to do another woke alert. I, I'm pretty sure you should. Like, what does it even add to like woke the comfort? <laughs> Can we all agree, at least, that it's a good thing to try to get into the habit of inclusive talking and out of the habit of saying things that are not helpful to anyone ever? Like, can we agree on that? Well, I mean, just like we can all agree on the fact that you came in way too hot on the whole girl crush terminology, way hotter than you came in on a death toll of 97 during the Hillsborough disaster. Tread carefully here, Katie, you're in the presence of a football hooligan. Okay, I am choosing not to take issue with me calling me that clear because I'm currently being called out for use of a homophobic phrase, okay? And I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, the, the gay community sends its thanks for your awareness of, of your position at this time. <laughs> can, can we please try to get back on topic here? Oh yeah, books, innit? 
books <laughs> indeed so like we were saying we uh, were discussing um, two books this week by Deirdre Sullivan um, so Deirdre Deirdre is a writer and teacher from Galway um, she's written seven acclaimed books for young adults including Savage Her Reply Little Island 2020 Perfectly Preventable Deaths Hot Key Books 2019 and Tangleweed and Rhyme Little Island 2017 she was the recipient of the CBI Book of the Year Award in 2018 and the Post Irish Book Award for YA in 2020. She actually just won another Post Award for a short story um, like a couple of days ago. She is our hero. Um, her short fiction has appeared in Banshee and the Dublin Review. I Want to Know That I Will Be Okay 2021 is her first book for adults and Perfect Catastrophe, the sequel to Perfectly Preventable Deaths, was released in October 2021. Okay, so the part about Deirdre reading from her book Prim and Proper at a festival in 2013 and Elsie being overcome with actual hero worship from that day forward didn't make it into her official bio then. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised too. Um, (laughs) Seriously though, like Deirdre is the awesomeness. Like she is the most incredible combination of like shy, confident, nerdy and mysterious. And uh, you know what? I don't care. I am a little bit in love with her. I mean, maybe that means I'm romantically attracted to more than one gender. I, I don't know. But that is the situation. OK, that that was too far. You know, I heard myself say it and I was like, yeah, this is unnecessary. Well, you know, now we know. That is true. That is true. Let's stick with admiration and and not um, co-opting. Um, yeah, experiences that are not my own. Let's let's move on. I, I, I would like a little more contrition, please. Jesus Christ, Katie. No, 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 no. Katie is right. Any want to expand there, Sarah, on on why um, you can't co-opt experiences that are not your own? No, yes, yes, because of my privilege as a cis heteronormative person, I do not have to withstand any of the negative experiences associated with being attracted to more than one gender. People get thrown out of their families, can lose their jobs, can get beaten up for walking down the street for expressing their romantic preferences publicly because I don't have to engage in any of, I beg your pardon, not engage in. I I don't have to withstand any of those negative experiences. I cannot profess any kind of inclusion in um, the positives, which are getting to be romantically attracted to Deirdre Sullivan. Still too jokey, but in the interest of time, let's move on. We will talk about this later. No, seriously, I am aware of that. It's 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 an uncomfortableness thing. Um, I'm trying to work on it to get more sincere. Um, but yes, yes, I do apologize, Clea. It was, it was very ham-fisted of me, very thoughtless of me. Um, not okay. Okay, yes, I appreciate that. Thank you, Sarah. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, let's let's take a look at the the books that we're going to be looking at. Um, so Deirdre's books, um, Perfectly Preventable Deaths, and its sequel, um, Perfect Catastrophe, um, are what we read. It took us well. It didn't take us a while to read them. It took us a while to, to actually sit down and get our thoughts together on them because, my goodness, there's a lot in here. Um, did you know what? Let's get let's get stuck in. Everyone in Ballyfran has a secret, and that is what binds them together. 15-year-old twins, Madeline and Catelyn, moved to a new life in Ballyfran, a strange, isolated town, a place where, for the last 60 years, teenage girls have gone missing in the surrounding mountains. As distance grows between the twins, as Catelyn falls in love and Madeline begins to understand her own nascent witchcraft, Madeline discovers that Ballyfran is a place full of predators. 
not only foxes, owls and crows, but also supernatural beings who for many generations have congregated here to escape persecution. When Catelyn falls into the gravest danger of all, Madeline must ask herself who she really is and who she wants to be, or rather, who she might have to be to save her sister. Dark and otherworldly, these are enthralling stories about the bond between sisters and the sacrifices we make for those we care about the most. Oh, it's just very good. Like it so is. Actually, sir, do you know what? You've probably got the best pronunciation for <laughs> for this one. How about how about excerpting it up? Uh, excuse you, what's that supposed to mean? What's wrong with my pronunciation? You <laughs> 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 did that on purpose. I did. I really did. And no, not to mean it will sound nice like with Sirsha being all elegant and all. I can't handle how much I love you saying that. What? Elegant? Like it might be better than holiday. Man, like nothing is better than holiday. Girls, 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 don't be fighting over me, Saoirse. You get started. Oh my God, because this could go on forever. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah. So before starting, actually, um, going back to the trigger warning that Sarah shared a little while ago, um... The excerpt itself has some descriptions of violence that are that are pretty full on. They're quick, but they're but yeah, it's uh, it's not great if if that is something that is tough for you. Um, so if that's not something you're interested in, if you want to skip forward to about the forty minute mark, uh, we'll be done with that. Prologue, honeysuckle, influenza, birth control, and poison. Our father died in flames when he was twenty six, and we were two. We don't remember. All we have is story. Sense memory. The feeling of soft earth. His name upon a pitted slab. Limestone. Lichen pocked. Orange, white, and crinkled dry as paper. The smell of grave implanting in our nail beds. Our fingers scraping through to trace his name. Tom Hayes. Dearly beloved, you left too soon. They found him lying in the woods, a group of children on a nature walk, in a small, round glade between the trees, the beech, the oak, the hawthorn and the elm. The leaves beneath him weren't even burnt. He always cared for everything around him, Mam said once. Even in death, he kept the forest safe. It's not something we talk about too often. The images I have might not be real. A voice... A lap, helping plant the flowers in our garden. Little hands and big ones thick with earth. Memories are versions of what happened. Stories that we've told ourselves enough. The fiction ivy winding around the real to strangle out the bad, promote the good. If you're not careful, ivy eats a house. It lets in rot. Sometimes I remember things about plants. Little facts I don't know how I came by. And I wonder if I know because he told me when I was very small. More likely, it all filtered down through ma'am. We never really knew my dad to miss. But something in me turns him over. Over. Stretched like a yawn, arms out and thick with char. And maybe that's why Catelyn goes to mass. Or why I sometimes wake up tout with terror looking for some unknown thing to make me safe or safer in that moment. The world isn't predictable at the best of times, but if you're scientific about it, then all the strangest things can be explained. 
maybe not right now and not by you, but there's always a reason. You can divide things into true and false, proven and unproven, analyzed, predictable, if not preventable. The more you know, the more that you can make things right. Knowledge is a real-life magic power gathered up like spells to use in time. Vinegar, a candle, salt and sage. There's always been a comfort in the tangible, in things that you can gather around you. Hold. We all have little talismans to cherish. Beach for wisdom. Elm for your throat. The things you hold, they will not keep you safe, though. In the end, there's not a thing that can. Chapter 1. Sage. Palsy. Fever. Life prolonged by choice. When Dracula came to England, he arrived in a box full of earth. That's kind of what the boot of our car looks like now. We're taking half Dad's garden to Ballyfran with us. The indoor plants mainly, but some cuttings from the garden as well. I'm excited to start growing things there. It's, it's always soothing, helping something live. Brian sent moving vans for all our stuff. Large, brown, unmarked things. Men from the village loading, putting, driving. Collinses and Shannons, Brian told us. As if that made it clearer who they were. In Ballyfran, we help each other out, he said. And Mam said, that sounds nice. A real community. The men kept grimly lifting boxes out and drinking thick, dark tea with too much milk. Brown like earth. Like copper grass on mountains. Crisp and dead and waiting for the spring. Catelyn tried to establish how many sons they had and how hot they were based on genetics. She was not subtle. Horny never is. The whir of tire on gravel. The flat mess of what used to be a cat. A mangled stain that no one seems to notice except me. It's quiet in the car. Catelyn's earphones are in. The radio. It'll be a long drive. We got up early loaded the boxes in the vans. They flanked our car for the first 40 minutes, then we stopped for petrol and they left us. Brian says they know exactly where to go. It's home for them. For us, it'll take some time. The fur, what was left of it, looked brown. I trace a pattern on my legs, a dizzy little triskeel. In my pocket, a packet of salt, the kind you get in chip shops. Candle wax some berries on their stalks. My clothes are always manky in the pockets. I do peculiar things to ward off threat. Detritus gathers. It isn't very scientific of me, but I am odd, and where we're going is new and full of dangers. I see their faces, all the mountain girls, the ones that died. When Mam and Brian first told us about the place he was from, it didn't quite seem real. Still doesn't, to be honest. I wonder, when we see it for ourselves, if it will be different. It's strange, isn't it, to be moving somewhere we've never been. We haven't set foot there. Even though it isn't very far. Nowhere in Ireland is. A country the size of other people's cities. We've seen photographs on Brian's phone. On Mam's. He took her there for weekends when they started going out. They got engaged inside the castle walls. We weren't there. My father built this castle, Brian told us. He was a strange man, very big ideas. 
there was a ruin here before and he bought the land with a view to rebuilding what had been but then he went a bit mad there are places in the castle I don't even know about he had a lot of secrets my Alphala going a bit mad is different when you're rich apparently Brian's father built a castle out of castles he stole the bits he liked from where he'd been there's some Versailles in there, a little of Kilkenny, a fair amount of the big German one the Disney castle's based on, Neuschwanstein. From the outside, though, Mam says, it looks medieval. It's hard to picture. The mountain's more suited to the clutch of cottages, white as eggs, where the Collins family live in their weird commune. Brian says they're the backbone of the village, but I feel like in a village of a hundred or so people, it's not hard to be a backbone if there are enough of you. Like, everybody's something. They have to be or things would fall apart. The Collinses have been a part of the village since before Brian's dad. Brian went to school with Jerry Collins, Mike Collins, Pat Collins and Tim Collins, for example. And that was not a lot of Collinses, considering... There'll be a few Collinses at school with you as well, Brian tells us. Edward and Charlene. They're good kids. I stare at a patch of unshaven hair on Brian's chin, trying to be interested. The black and grey strands forcing through the pale. I wonder what he is of the village. The brain, perhaps? I wouldn't say the heart. Since she found out about the deaths, Catelyn calls Brian's place the murder palace. I try to shug her off. It wasn't in the castle that they found them after all. But something of it sticks in my gut. A a heavy sort of worry. My fingers scratch its skin through layers of cloth. She pokes me in the ribs and does the eyebrows. I do them back. And it will be okay. I know it will. We pass the green sign. Fulcha Gobelifron. Welcome to Ballyfran. And Brian stops in the village to pick up tea bags, milk. We drift into the little shop behind him, stare at the magazine racks, all the women's faces looking out. These are my daughters, Brian tells the bored-looking woman behind the counter as she waves his wallet away. Consider it a wedding present, Brian. Her voice is animated, but her face is slack. Nice to meet you girls. I'm Jacinta. Catelyn looks at me as if to say, of course she is. Catelyn doesn't like anyone called Jacinta. She met one before who bored her somehow and has never forgiven the name. We pile back in the car and Brian switches off the emergency lights. Apparently it's okay to park on double yellow lines here if you're just nipping in. I'm not so sure about that. Rules are there for reasons. We keep driving. On the way, I find myself searching for something I can't really place. A clue. An omen. Catelyn's hand brushes mine and I can see the same sort of thing I'm feeling filtered through her face. Like me, but not like me. Helen Gork was just like us too, at one time. A human being before she was a story. A girl who disappeared around four years ago when she was our age, just a little older. On the 15-minute walk home from school. They found her in the mountains six months on. A recent corpse, they said. They analysed the parts they could locate. An arm... The fingers painted glitter purple, several teeth with bits of brace attached, the remnants of a ribcage. When you are dead, your shell becomes a puzzle, something to be looked at, piece by piece. Without the body, or without all the body, it's hard to tell what was the cause of death. They can test and look and hazard guesses, try to determine which parts were eaten, 
cut. There were bite marks, mammalian in nature. I remember wondering what sort of animal would eat a person. We don't have wolves in Ireland anymore. We don't have bears. So maybe like a fox or a massive stout? Catelyn listed all the dead girl's names as reasons she was nervous to move here. Amanda Shale and Nora Glynn and little Bridget Hora. 15 years ago. 20. 60. They were all our age, or close enough. Her friends researched them, read about them, talked in that vulture way people do. The gory details. Bits of femur, splattered blood on rocks. The mountains here are paler, leached of colour. There's a grey tone underneath the green. It's not like where we're from. Anything that grows here has to work. It isn't hard to picture death around us. There's a hungry look about this place. We drive by the post office, the little church. The school will start on Monday. The petrol station, one vintage-looking pump beside a big plastic 99. The brown stuff on the flake is peeling off. It looks like the kind of place where the sell-by date of everything would be long before we were born. Sheep littered the hills like puffs of cotton wool after you've cleansed your face. All flat and filthy. We stopped to let them pass us on the road. My eyes on scenery, earbuds in and listening to music. I worry at our future like a bone. Back in Cork, when we still had our home and things around us, it was easier to feel like this would be an adventure, that it would all work out in spite of the distance and my personality. We were moving to a castle, a proper massive castle in the hills. It did occur to me that a house that looms on a hillside is rarely a good thing in books and movies unless you want to fall for a brooding man with at least one terrible secret, which in fairness sounds a bit exhausting. Hopefully it wouldn't come to that. It'll be fine, I remember telling Catelyn and also myself in the mirror and our friends and ma'am and the plants. But all the while I found myself fingering the little paper rectangle in my pocket, the small rough grains inside. It wasn't fine. Catelyn was, in the run-up to the move, and, to be honest, every day since birth, mainly worried about not getting enough attention. Our friends are obsessed with her, and I'm the side dish. There's, there's something special in my sister's eyes. Her face. The way she carries herself. She draws them in. They love her right away. I'm more of an acquired taste. Like fish eggs. Catelyn's truffle chips, served in a bowl with cosmic patterns on. Delightful, and probably cooler than you. Places pick up energy from bad stuff, Maddie, she told me, behind the hall at school, near the skips, where people go to smoke. A week ago, when this seemed like a story we were being told, rather than a real thing about to happen. They drink it in, and it just lies there, waiting. I looked at her, her uniform hanging elegantly on her in a way mine never bothered to. Her hair was piled up in an elastic band, and somehow even that looked right, like hair ties were too obvious, too try-hard. I grinned. Catelyn, you were born to live in a castle. Relax. The car still moving, I remember her face, the suppressed smile, the twinkle in her eyes, the love of drama. But the mountain girls, they were people, not seasoning for stories. It feels heavy in my chest the layers of death Catelyn has pasted on this place, on Brian's home. My body warm, too warm, boiling my gut. I'm thinking, how much longer? Brian's thin shoulders hunch towards the steering wheel. He always looks a little tense. This man my mother married weeks ago. 
blue dress is in the registry office, his hand on hers, his ring where dad's once was. In our hands, we held the ring to warm it as a blessing. It felt so heavy, weightier than gold. I want to be a father to you girls, he told us on the night before the move. A good one, not like the kind of man my father was. He wanted my respect, but it didn't go both ways. He closed his eyes. After he died, he had a lot of secrets. And I've spent quite a bit of time and effort sorting out his mess. Not that he'd thank me for it. Your dad sounds like a douche, said Catelyn, and I elbowed her. Brian looked at us with an even gaze. His face was very smooth and very clean, except for one gorse-dark patch he'd missed. I stared at it, distracted. Perhaps you're right. He was a lot of things, as the fella says. He sighed. I want to be a better man than he was. But the more that I unravel, the more that I see, it's complicated. Tax stuff, mostly. I won't bore you with it. But I wondered. The fields fly past our window, getting close. There are crosses on the road. Small, hard, tooth-white things poking out like artefacts. I count them. Ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Did people die here, Brian? I ask. He nods. A family from near Athlone. They were passing through on their way to somewhere else. Most people are. The father had a seizure at the wheel, drove into a tree. He gestures to the side. It's been cut down. Catelyn looks at me, mouths, murder palace. I kick her in the shin. Madeline's kicking me, she whines, and ma'am rolls her eyes. You probably deserve it, you and your murder palace, she says, her hand on Brian's, his on the gear stick. She loves him, this quiet man whose father built a palace in the wild. It's not a palace, Brian says. It's a castle. What's the difference, I ask. A castle's fortified, he says. A palace is just fancy. Fortified how? Catelyn asks. Brian smiles at us. Mam tells him to wait. I want them to see it. The car knots through the land, tangling us away from who we are. I feel the disconnect and swallow down. And then we're there. Here. We thought we knew what to expect, but suddenly we find ourselves driving down a smooth, wide private road cut through a forest, and little by little, turrets, battlements and stone grey walls. A quasi-moat that's filled with shrubs and plants instead of water. Brown and green weeds poking, thick green moss, large grey and black crows collect on the awnings, staring dully out at everything. This is our house. This is the place we live. I cannot overemphasise how much of a castle Brian's castle is. It has turrets, for Christ's sake, walled gardens and a groundskeeper. It looks like it was carved from fairy tales. As we drive in, we see other sides. It's sort of a collage, four miniature castles linked around a courtyard with a big kitchen garden and a Victorian-style greenhouse. And a fountain. Because why not a fountain? This is a castle. Opulence is kind of the deal. A glass dome rises somewhere in the centre, like the hyacinth bulbs on Dad's grave. Fortification means we are protected, but why would we need that? It's just for show. No need to feel the itch my fingers feel. They trace the grains of salt through thinning paper. I've almost worried it to shredding point. What can you do? We put the kettle on. 
Oh my god, it's just so good. I just remember it's all good. <laughs> Sarah, dude, man. Like it is sad though that we don't get to talk about the like Galway boyfriend club right now. Do you want to talk about the Galway boyfriend club right now, Chloe? But you said it made the excerpt too long, Sarah. I know, but you look so sad right now. That's because I am Sarah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can, can uh, you withstand some excellent hetero banter, Clee? Um, oh. Given that Chloe wants to do this. Yeah, yeah. I think given the, the promise of excellent non-hetero banter to, to come in, in the rest of the book, I, I feel it'll be okay. Plus, in fairness, like, this is really the best way to hear how Catelyn and Madeline like, are with each other. Yeah, yeah. I love the way their dialogue, like, cuts through kind of how poetic and dense some of the storytelling is. Yeah, but like, we're all in agreement that like, this storytelling is like the best part of the whole book. Um, no, the dialogue is the best part. If I wanted to read a spell book, I'd read a spell book. You know, it's it, the bants are, are what I'm here for. Are you actually for real right now? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Girls, <laughs> I have to tell the people about Ulpin. <laughs> so sorry, Chloe. So, so sorry. Please, please go ahead. Oh, finally. Okay, so like this is where the girls be like setting up their rooms, yeah, when they're moving in, okay? So it's the girls, they're in Catelyn's room and they're like, yeah, putting all our stuff in. Okay, let's, okay, 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 let's do this. So, now, Let's put the bedclothes on your massive sex bed. Our beds here can only be described as gothic sex beds. Four posters that are the size of little fields, all curved with grapes and roses, crucifixes, little faces peering, small blank eyes. I'm surprised there are no shirtless lords striding around the gardens murmuring Catelyn's name as though in prayer. Give her time. I think, stuffing a fat feather pillow inside a bright pink pillowcase and fluffing it up. It's not a sex bed yet, says Catelyn. Not till I get my hands on a Galway boyfriend. Catelyn is convinced that we are going to meet our soulmates in Galway. Galway boyfriends with broad shoulders and fluent Irish and possible castles of their own. She has a theory that Oliver Cromwell, prick, kicked all the properly Irish men to Connacht and they're lurking in the mountains, brimming with testosterone and secret sensitivity. She even started a gang, the Galway Boyfriends Gang. She is president and I am the secretary and treasurer. There are only two members of the GBG, but we are looking to expand to four when we meet our Galway Boyfriends. What will your Galway Boyfriend be called? I ask. Something pure Galway, like Padder or Ulton, she says. Mine will be called Fenian, I tell her. Or maybe Mountain. Mountain boyfriend of Galway. Das good, she says. I tell her that I know. We make our bed and then we go into my room and make mine. I quite like making beds. When you're putting the duvet cover on you, you can pretend to be a ghost. Our rooms are almost identical. Mirror images, only with different tapestries and views. Every room in Brian's castle has a view. It's a bit much, really, all that landscape. Alton will be able to drive a tractor, Catelyn says, as though this is an extremely desirable quality in a man. Which it may well be. We're in the country. There are different rules here. I hear you, girls. My one will have road frontage, I tell her, and feed abandoned baby lambs by the heart with his big Galway hands. I think I've won. Ah, mountain sounds like a sweetheart, she says. Alton will have a shock of bright red curls. 
mountain will have straw instead of hair, like a thatched cottage. That is incredibly Galway of him, she says, and I can tell she's impressed. Alton will often walk about the fields with a calf draped around his shoulders like a heavy rural scarf. Mountain will only eat turnips and he won't be able to see the English. Alton will light me fires with turf he cut himself and then seduce me beside them. Jesus, I know, she says proudly. Mountain will be able to fly? It comes out like a question. Mountain doesn't sound real, Madeline. I don't think you're taking the GBG seriously. It's a practical skill that helps him rescue puppies trapped in slurry pits and there is nothing wrong with having high standards, Catelyn, I remind her. Like, they're actual goals, girls. Like, also, what does road frontage mean? <laughs> you know exactly what road frontage means. I do. I really do. It means his man titties. <laughs> Boy. Okay, Boy. okay. So on that extremely inappropriate note, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. Um, but do not go anywhere. We will be right back with more Chicklet for Life. Don't go away. This week on Didoy, single life during COVID is beginning to get on top of some people. Stuff's getting weird, you guys. Nice guys always finish last. I think I'm going to be a bastard. That's what women really want. Um, what women really want is basic dental hygiene. So, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. But what's that supposed to mean? Um, so, I guess, when's the last time you brushed your teeth? You know, I think you can be real with me and with everyone. You know, like... Did you follow some girl off the bus? I mean, it's okay. We can get you through this. I wouldn't follow a woman off a bus unless she sat right in front of me wearing, like, really nice perfume. She's obviously sending me a message. Um, okay. But what if women didn't just exist for you to get laid, Mitty? You know? But they would if I was a bastard. Like... I I know it doesn't sound like there could be more after that, but there really was. Like, like a lot, like for ages. So, I don't know why, but you gotta tune in to Doi Thursdays. Jesus, Denise sounds like she's kind of beginning to lose it yeah like it's it's a lot to host a show like that and wade through like that much crazy on a regular basis like is no one gonna talk about how upsetting it is that guys are out there being all oh poor me no one will sit on my face dude like no one literally no one in that ad said that you you my friend have been reading lc's little sister's fanfic again have you not like like, no. Where else would you hear about people sitting on other people's faces, Katie Morphy? It's your only, like, link to that kind of behaviour. Elsie's sister does talk about sitting on JK's face, like, a lot, <laughs> Katie. <laughs> like, like, this isn't what I wanted to talk about. But, I mean, we turned down the street and now we live here. Like, girls... I feel bad. I have not been partaking in my usual levels of, like, sexy BTS fanfic. And I wonder, is it, like affecting the levels of like important hormones and stuff in my like bloodstream for like a second there it sounded like you were going to come up with your best sexy fanfic line ever I know I really shit the bed on that one didn't yeah, I yeah like for real man was it was it Elsie's sister who wrote the one where like the girl the, the YN 
met Jim in when she had a girlfriend. Yeah, 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 with the dream sequence. Like, why are we talking about a girl-on-girl sex scene in a K-pop fanfic, like, on air right now? Oh my god, Katie, don't be so homophobic. <laughs> I'm not being homophobic right uh, now, man. How are you not being homophobic right now? That scene was crazy hot. It's just not what we're here to talk about, man. <laughs> so just to catch up anybody that's, you know, completely lost. Oh, so, you know, anyone who doesn't read BTS fan fiction on Instagram, that's basically pornography. <laughs> like, yeah, essentially. <laughs> but, but yes, Elsie's baby sister spends her days writing BTS fan fiction and crafting and working, but but mm-hmm, mostly, mostly the pornography. And, um... <laughs> Oh my, 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 is it explicit. Oh, oh, excellent boy with love reference. I appreciate you so goddamn much right now. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, in perhaps the surprise result of the century, Katie is, in fact, correct. <gasps> what? Seriously, man? <laughs> like, Kate, no, you are correct, Kate. No matter how much we want to talk about sexy, sexy K-pop fanfic, we are here to talk about these books. But like... Girls, like, uh, like, my boys are like performing in LA right now, which means boys. that American <laughs> girls are like able to see JK Opa's like spectacular abdominal muscles and like I can't. And Objectification. I feel like <laughs> it's important that I talk about sexy fictional fanfic about sexy fictional JK Opa's the best I can doing this difficult time like, are you done like, I don't think I'm going to get more mileage out of this so yeah let's move on <laughs> but the thing is Kate, I mean Chloe we're, we're going to talk about you know how you and Catelyn should really be joint presidents of the Galway boyfriend gang Saoirse you know I don't approve of people from Galway like I am right here you guys <laughs> it but no 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 I do take your point Saoirse like beginning of perfectly preventable deaths or PPD and um, beginning of PPD Catelyn like she needs to be my best though like I too understand the importance of having a boyfriend what can build his own fireside beside which to seduce me like I bet JK Alpa will be able to build a fire like after he looked up how to do it on Naver. like remember that time he figured out how to fillet fish so the members could have sang song play remember oh, that like, yeah. why are you like it's this it's Korean for sashimi Katie if you knew London <laughs> you'd know that like well yeah moving on <laughs> Like, I I did really like how that sort of, like, normal sisters being sisters stuff was, like, mixed in with the, yeah, super poetic tone of the book. Like, like, like we were saying earlier. Oh, my God. Like, yes. Like, I thought that it was, like, so, so, so smart. Like, having that poetic, like, spellbooky way of writing the book. Like, having the imagery, like, really rooted in nature and, like, natural things. And then, like, almost the rhythm of the storytelling being, like, super chanty and spell-sounding-y. It was, like, so helpful into getting into that magical, supernatural type of place in your mind when you're reading it, you know? Like, it's terrifying that most of those words were made up, but I knew exactly what you meant. Like, we're friends for a reason, Sarah. <laughs> but, but like, no, like you were saying earlier, like, if the whole book was written like that, like, like at best, it might be kind of hard to really relate to the characters because they might seem... I don't know, just, yeah, hard to hard to identify with. And it might end up a little stilted. But, like, at worst, like, you could end up feeling that the whole thing is kind of contrived as a style choice and, and like, kind of a bit wanky. Mm. 
Mm, like a barista with like a pointy up curly mustache. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> like, nice. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like like having the interactions between the characters be like beyond normal and having them be like super witty and and yeah, having really, really, really super straightforward, normal teenage interactions in this abnormal setting. It was just such a smart choice. Like it completely cuts through that potential wank and kind of legitimizes the poetic stuff altogether. Yeah, yeah, I really loved that about Maddie's inner monologue because it wasn't, like, it almost wasn't really an inner monologue. It was, like, it was more real than that. It was, like, a collection of feelings and thoughts that sort of link together and lead her in the direction she wants to go in or feel about something, like, which is kind of the way we operate anyway and it like it really works with the idea that she has like this feel for being a witch because she's got a feel for patterns and things that she knows will help her sort of like none of it is stuff she like knows like that she sat down and learned off she's just able to look at certain things and know that something is a bit off and needs to be moved to to make it fit properly but like that's kind of like fantastical, right? Like it's super rare that like someone would just know something without being taught. We're not all like Mozart. Do you want me to get a Simpsons quote wrong to prove my point? Okay, first off, I am not that bad. Uh, in the Poseidon Adventure, I played nervous idiot number two. Okay, um... I am I am fine with that. This is this is super normal, like, and it's all okay. dude. You are this close to banging your head on the yeah, desk right now. Yeah, because she played panicky idiot number two in the Poseidon Adventure. No thanks. We were looking for more of a duh duh idiot. Oh gosh. Oh, that feels so much better. But like yeah, so like that pattern was off, and you had to fix it. Yeah. Like it's it's like it's the rhythm of it. Like like it doesn't go in that order. Like. They go in disorder. That's that's the way it sounds, right? Yeah, which is like why it's believable that Maddie would have the same thing, but with plants and other natural things that need to go in a certain order to make something work. And like that she sort of doesn't need to sit down to learn it. Like you didn't sit down with the script of that episode. You just were exposed to it and absorbed it. Like, yeah, and seeing them in a different order, it like gives her a no feeling and she has to fight against it. I can't believe you would use Series 7 of The Simpsons against me. Well, you left me no choice, Katie. <laughs> oh my God, like the Wikipedia entry for that episode has a subsection on embiggens and cromulent. You are messing. The episode features two neologisms, embiggen and cromulent. The showrunners asked the writers if they could come up with two words, which sounded like real words, and these were the ones that they came up with. Duh. The Springfield Town <laughs> motto is a noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. School teacher Edna Krabappel comments that she never heard the word embiggen until she moved to Springfield. Miss Hoover replies, I don't know why. It's a perfectly cromulent word. Um, later line. in the episode, while talking about Homer's audition for the role of town crier, Principal Skinner states he embiggen that role with his crumbling performance. Embiggen, <laughs> coined by Dan Graney, has since been used in several scientific publications, no. while Cromulent, coined by David X. Cohen, appeared in Dictionary 21, no, Dictionary.com's 21st Century Lexicon. <laughs> like, I am pretty sure this is the best day of my life. Oh. I'm telling Dave. Oh my God, Chloe, can we keep the whole snide comments about Dave 
thing to like a minimum for like one episode at least oh my god like the whole the whole point Katie is if Simpsons quotes were helicopter seeds you would have a half grown sycamore sapling by now oh that's so nice <laughs> but yeah the, moving on because like yeah we, we can't get into too many sidetracks even though we absolutely will um, I feel like we need to talk about what an actual beast Mamo is oh my god she is my actual hero I like I simply cannot like but like all that stalking around a place scowling at people like that can't be good for you you like literally just sent me a J-Hope being savage YouTube video talking about Hobie being angry and how super hot it is <laughs> J-Hope doesn't get angry girls don't say that like Clina like I know you don't really like to think about how J-Hope is anything other than like a human son being sent to choreograph BTS dance routines for your amusement solely. <laughs> like I really do think that. <laughs> but he is terrifying and you know it. Like did girls, did you see the video of him taking the microphone off Namjoon when there was a translator at the interview and like the translator was all Ajun can do all the English answers but he was like uh, 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 no way he's struggling there you're paid to be here you do the translation you prick. Like <laughs> Such a ride, like hello, hobby name. <laughs> so you, so you found that video among the dozens more scores of of other BTS videos you watch daily. Sent it to Katie. Learned how to say sir in Korean, and yet you don't see the parallel with Mamo striding around Brian's castle in her wellies like a goddamn superhero. I did learn how to say sore in Korean, didn't I, girl? Like, uh, what is the point? What is the point? I don't, like, there's just something, there's just something very cool in the idea of someone that understands something deeper about the world without having to be told. Yeah, like the whole wise woman archetype situation, the idea that there's this woman out there that's part teacher, part doctor, part leader, part priest that's like there to guide you in finding what you need provided you're willing to like listen right like the banfasa back in the old days <gasps> or the oracle in the matrix man you are so embarrassing katie <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there's just something about that image of a wise woman that like sees through all the powerful men around her so clearly that they're like afraid of her yeah yeah there's remember that line in that episode of father ted where there's yeah there's that old lady ted is afraid of because she's at an age where she's got the direct line to holy god <laughs> like the fact that you say holy god as well is possibly one of my favorite things in the entire world it's the man's name it's like weirdly wholesome that you two weirdos found each other, like genuinely. <laughs> but no, but yeah, like, yeah, I really like that idea, uh, Serge, like, because there are those women, like there always has been, like the idea that an older woman that like doesn't have anything left to lose and has seen as much as she's seen is like the one thing that scares men in power. Like, it's just, it's a really cool, like, super feminist idea, like, that there is something insidious, obviously, about one gender being in power over the other. And, like, yeah, men in power have something to be worried about with wise women because they they see that and they're willing to, to fight against it because they don't care. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's really cool in the book that, like, we get to see Madeline be a wise woman before she's wise, you know? That's one way to put it, I guess. Ah, no, I don't mean it like that. I know, like, I'm only messing, like, you'd you'd be a killer with a huge bag like that. Oh, like, I am insanely jealous of Madeline's giant satchel of foragey amazingness. I can't. Yeah, it's it's the dream, all right. But, like, like it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of cool to see someone 
have like that understanding, inherent understanding of nature and things that can help people while also saying that a hoodie makes her feel like a fleecy tortoise. I read that and immediately thought of you, fam. I am honoured. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, like as, as sort of like charming and like engaging as Catelyn is, like, like I genuinely... Madeline's best friend is like the position I personally um, am aiming for. Or uh, maybe you want a position a little uh, higher than best friend if you uh, catch my meaning. Like low flying aircraft catch your meaning there, Chloe. It's, it's kind of <laughs> dangerous. Yeah, people's lives are at stake, Chloe. <laughs> also, it's weirdly like homophobic to assume that two girls that like girls, particularly if one of them is fictional, um, will automatically like each other just because they both like girls. Also, I'm pretty sure your girl Catelyn would try and steal your JK Opa off you, like given half the chance. Okay. One, Catelyn is clearly biased towards Taeyong Opa. And two, okay, I see your point. <laughs> but like she wouldn't as well. Like she was all bit into that lawn creep. Oh yeah, I know. Ugh. Well, like, how could you just like stand by and like let a predator like that pretty much groom someone you know and care about? I know. Like, I mean, like I would have stopped that like right away. Like, like would you though? Like, it's like it's super gross. But like, the thing is, like, guys, we've all been around people like guys that have come on to girls the way Lon came on to Catelyn, and like, people just stand back and let that happen. Uh, no. No, 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 no. Like, like, let a guy take your phone away from you so that he can send you his number. Like, if he blocks your way from, like, leaving, I don't know, like, a pub or something or, like, stands over you on the train or whatever. Like, like, do you, what, square up to a guy in those situations? And, like, and even more than that, like, if your friend is into someone who acts like that like you think there's something off but like do you properly dig your heels in over it and like tell her that you know she's in a bad situation and needs to pretty much stay away from him yeah knowing that most of the time when that happens you kill the friendship and in the process an escape route your friend might need later on if she realizes she is in a difficult situation are you for real right now? Like, do you not think that way, man? Like, what if what if her situation goes south? Like, what if everything you think about him is right, but, like, she's too in the story of this love connection to hear what you're saying? Like, that happens way more often than you'd think. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know people that, like, fell out over a guy and, like, the guy turned out to be an absolute asshole. But, like, the two girls, like, they still don't talk now. Like, it's crazy. Like, I think it's, like, something to do with the fact that we're conditioned to think that true love conquers all and that we're all just kind of training for marriage. You can replace friends, but you can't replace your one true love type thing. Like. Like, that's insane, though. Like, if someone is genuinely looking out for you, like, you'd listen to them. No. No, you're right, Saoirse. Yeah. Oh, so shit. Like, and like, yeah, the really shit thing with Lon was that he didn't do anything that was, like, obviously, like, like, predatory, like, right away. Like, yeah. Yeah, there's that bit where Madeline's talking about, like, why she doesn't like him. Like, she just doesn't like him, like, at the beginning. Like, she says something like, he's he's like a male model who, like, also plays guitar and won't stop going off 
going on about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a desperation to be cool off him. Everything about him reeks a prick. I underline that. But like that's the thing. Like someone that just needs to be the most interesting or like the coolest person in the room. And then like, yeah, they fix in on one person that they sort of want to own as a girlfriend. Yeah, that's that's a problem. Yeah. And people don't listen to you when you like do you have someone in mind that you're talking about? I just you know, some people I used to go skill with, like yeah, one of the girls went out with this bloke that like oh he just sort of picked her up and broke up with our loads, depending on whether like there were other girls he wanted to be with. Like at the time, like she was just some toy or something and not a person. Like and she was so bit into him, she didn't care because like she just wanted to get with him and that's all because she thought that he was like, I don't know, the dog's bollocks or something. And like and like then then he got dumped by someone that he was mad about and like started going out with my mate long term. And he was like telling her what to wear by the end, started getting her to do stuff she wasn't comfortable with, would like nag her constantly, like saying that like he'd buy her nicer makeup so maybe she could look nicer and help her lose weight and stuff. Okay, so this is someone you knew in school, she, yeah? She's talking about me, Katie. It, it's me she's talking about. No, no it's, but like... Um, it's, it's like, is everything okay, Katie? N- um, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, everything is, um, everything's fine. okay. Because, like, if you did need to talk about anything or if, like, stuff with you and Dave like, is in any... No, but, like, maybe not maybe not on, on air. Um, We can... we can, But, yeah, like, no, but that, that kind of stuff... That stuff does happen. Like, it happened um, to me. You, you, you sort of just get caught up in it, I think. Like, because you're with someone you're super attracted to and your hormones are all over the place and... In my case, anyway, um, it was kind of like, oh, man, I'm not a total mutant. Someone this hot wants to be with me. And like, I don't know. It's like um, it's like everything you've been like hoping for kind of is suddenly on your doorstep. And like and everything that's a currency to everybody else, like male attention. It's it, well, that's that's the whole being in a, an all girls secondary school thing. <laughs> so like male attention in a, you know, um, extremely heterosexual all-girl environment like that it's, I don't know I don't know but it's like you landed in this pot of gold and um, you need to look after it because you've never had access to anything like that before and and if that means really unnecessary hickeys that can't have been fun to give and don't fade for ages that was the weirdest thing ever like Catelyn being with Lon and then showing up with this monster hickey like that, like you said like can't what was the point of giving like that can't have been fun for either party like aside from just the fact that it's like oh this person belongs to me I did feel like that was not hickeys but <laughs> that, that was a big component of both books of both um, perfectly preventable deaths and 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 precious catastrophe like people claiming ownership over other people which is an interesting point of view in Ireland in the west of Ireland in particular you know the whole idea of of enslavement and penal colonies and all that kind of stuff but anyway but um yeah Brian 
marrying um, the girl's mom and like bringing them all to his hometown like Lon pretty much picking Catelyn out of the school crowd and like claiming her for his own like you say Mamo insisting that that Maddie learn her abilities uh, Our Lady of Ballyfran and that whole situation even even Maddie and Button the Kitten oh, oh my god don't talk about Button like oh he's like simultaneously my hero and the saddest story I think I've ever read yeah like Button Button's a boss, man. Yeah, yeah, girls, Katie's right. Like, button for Taoiseach. And that's that's Irish for Prime Minister, for, for our international listeners. <laughs> they know that Gong Bu Hei means study in Korean, but they don't know who the Taoiseach is. Would you ever give over, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you, Kate. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's the girl's relationship that counteracts all of that, though. Like, well, I don't know, maybe not counteracts it, but like, yeah, it gives them the the f- ability or like the the reserves or something to like fight back. Oh my god! Yeah, like seriously, the strength of their relationship is like beyond the star of the whole thing. But like, it's really really cool that their relationship isn't like like way too sappy or anything. Oh my god! Yes, like if they were all. Oh my god! I'm just so blessed to have you in my life. Like for three paragraphs, like a Facebook post to what your auntie writes and like tags you in for no reason. Like why are you on Facebook, man? Because you find out what Salon's doing free balayage on Facebook, Kate. You try to keep up. Jesus yeah. Christ! In real talk. Seriously? Like, are you the only person in the country who doesn't know about this? Like, for free, like? Well, they need models for students to practice on, is, is my understanding of the Even whole enterprise. Clean and I was about it, Katie, and she's had the same haircut since 2005. My God. Chloe? <laughs> no, 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 it's true. There are photos to corroborate. <laughs> <laughs> but no, 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 no. Back to my original point, girls. Yes, um, mm. Yeah, no, like, it was real cute that, like, <clears throat> Excuse me. That it was, it was like not real sappy, but it was more like here, not my blood sister, not today. Get out here, yes. Yeah, like that was that was really there in both books, like that urgency of no, like fuck off and leave my people alone. We just want to be here and love each other. Could you please just get your claws out of her so we can go back to not bothering anyone? You evil, evil thing. Yeah, and like, yeah, the fact that it was the two girls and their mom and Mamu and the girls that had died before, like, those are kind of the folks involved in, in like, really involved in the story, in, in the, the, the fighting side of the story. Like, others would give assistance from their own space, but no more than that. Oh, man, you're like, you're like completely right. Like, yeah, there are people that help in the way that they're prepared to, like Brian and the other people in the town. But it's the two girls and Mamo that, that really do pretty much all of the fighting. Like, and, and they have to do it like pretty much on their own. Like other people kind of don't see that they need help. Or like even if they do see that help is needed, they seem to like genuinely not know how. Yeah, and you'd, you'd like wonder, was that like sisterhood or support like not there for the girls that died? Like, you recognised their names, right? Well, yeah, Savita is kind of the name that sort of ties it all together. Yeah, so, again, we can... Uh, kind of trigger warning here for for some... Like, uh, for, is, it, is it... This is to do with, like, female deaths in, in Ireland anyway. Um, so, yeah, skip forward about 10 minutes or so, if, if that's not your bag. But um, we sincerely hope that it is. Um... But yeah, as 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 we move through the books, we we get some exposure to to the names of all of the women that that died in Ballyfran, and um, yeah, the the one that kind of 
struck us was the name Savita being included, which is um, historically not not a common Irish name. Um, but for folks that aren't aware, Savita Halapnavar, pretty sure I'm saying that right. It's weird, you get used to seeing a name written down um, and you don't get used to saying it. But anyway, um, she she was a dentist of, of Indian origin, just dropped something, um, living living in Ireland. Um, she She died in, I think, 20... 2012, um, she died from a septic miscarriage um, when following uh, an incomplete miscarriage. Medical staff at um, the hospital she was in, in Galway, um, denied on legal grounds um, her request for an abortion. So so at the time, um, abortion was banned in Ireland by virtue of the Eighth Amendment um, to the Constitution of Ireland. Um, when Savita was admitted to the hospital, miscarriage was completely unavoidable. Um, and she was at severe risk of of major complications that could be fatal. Um, and she was going to lose the baby anyway. Um, when she when she requested a, a termination of the pregnancy, she was she was refused because a fetal heartbeat could still be detected. And by law in Ireland at the time, um, that type of termination was illegal. Um, yes, yeah, she she developed sepsis and she died um, five days later. And that's pretty much the the thing that led to that law changing in in 2013. So so when um, when I saw that name, we, we were we were well, no, we were all talking about it. And um, we did some some more searching on female deaths in Ireland that were perfectly preventable. Um, we found two more names that matched um, those on the list where there's there's obviously those other names, obviously, um, are all of them are, are really important. But these two, at least, were related to the, the same type of, of death as, as Savita's. There was um, Sheila Hodgers and Michelle Hart. Um, so Sheila Hodgers, it's, it's a hideous story. Um, she was from Dundalk in County Louth um, and she died of, of multiple cancers two days after giving birth to her third child. This was something that none of us had thought about when the, the Eighth Amendment was being debated and for repeal. But um, Sheila was was undergoing treatment for for cancer when she fell pregnant um, and she was denied those treatments while she was pregnant because the Catholic ethos of the hospital did not wish to harm the fetus. Um, so her medication was stopped. Um, she had been diagnosed with breast cancer prior to, to, to falling pregnant. She had had it removed and seemed to be in remission, um, fell pregnant and uh, but was still undergoing treatment. After her treatment was stopped, she developed severe lumbar pain, indicating a tumour on her back. Um, but it couldn't be confirmed because the hospital wouldn't take an X-ray by virtue of, of her pregnancy. Um, so on 17th of March, 1983, St. Patrick's Day, um, Hodgers, she gave premature birth in extreme agony to, uh, to a baby girl who, who immediately died. And um, Sheila died two days later from cancer in her neck, spine, legs, liver and ribs. She was in unbelievable pain. It's it's the most horrific thing uh, ever. Well, not ever, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, in, in 2010 then, um, so yeah, 30 years later, um, Michelle Hart um, became unintentionally pregnant while receiving treatment for cancer also. Her um, obstetrician in, in Cork advised her to terminate the pregnancy um, so that she could continue receiving treatment. Um, and she was willing, that that consultant was willing to carry out the, the procedure, but she could have completely lost her license. She went to the hospital's ethics forum who who decided that it couldn't be done in, in the hospital um, because her life was not under immediate threat. 
Um, so Michelle was forced to wait five weeks um, while that decision was being made. She ended up having to travel for a termination and her cancer, her treatment couldn't continue during that time. Um, and her, her condition worsened like severely. She she died of that cancer um, a year later. And like, like we were, we were reading up then on on violent deaths of women. You know, we 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 there are so many, um, so we couldn't um, match up the names. But like again, these these deaths are are preventable. We we got the numbers at least like. 236 women have died violently in Ireland between 1996 and 2020. Like Ireland has a significantly small population, like 147 women were killed in their own homes. So that's like 62% of of all deaths. One, like half of, one in every two, half of of all um, murders, um, the woman is, is killed by current or former partners, male partners, um, women under 35 make up 50% of, of female murder cases in Ireland. Um, and in in the 22 cases, so not that many cases where a woman was killed by her a relative, um, 18 of them were killed by their sons. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just, it's 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 heavy stuff. It's, it's interesting as well that like a book like this, kind of horror fiction, fantasy, kind of magical realism I guess I don't know but um, that it could bring us to that place as well where it's not it's not a really heavy in cold blood type situation um, which is a very specific heavy read um, but this allowed us to get in touch with those really 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 tough um, subjects at somewhat at arm's length um, and kind of dip in and out of it because it's it's tough to think about Oh my God, Sarah, are you okay? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just you, you know, it's it's um, it's a lot, you know. Like I genuinely don't understand why why people want to kill other people. Like it's just, oh, I I don't I don't know. Yeah, and like, could you imagine being in like a smaller, more like marginalized group or whatever? Like like indigenous women in in the states like are just disappeared all the time could you imagine like being in one of those groups and being like i don't know a member of the lgbt community or something like it's just it must be so terrifying the more you intersect with other groups that are under threat like it's just oh i can't what i thought was really hard as well obviously (laughs) um the rest of it is disgusting but like what was also really affecting was was in the second book seeing the toll that the fight in the first had taken on the girls like before you undergo like trauma you can kind of think you're indestructible like sort of like bad things happen to other people and that's awful but as soon as they happen to you your reality kind of I don't know shrinks a little like like my dad had this health issue a few years ago and had to go on treatment for it. Like it's totally fine now. Not a big thing. But like he does say that things scare him now that used not to. Like before, if there was, I don't know, an argument at a bar or I don't know, something was kicking off. My dad would always be like super confident that he could like talk whoever it was down, you know. But now... Now he's just a little more tentative about that stuff. Like, like he knows he's not indestructible, you know. And it's 
shit. It's so shit that like there are people out there, there are so many women and gender non-conforming folks and LGBTQ folks and people of colour that was so much more than having health issues or anything kind of unavoidable like that. These people have been shown by other people who have chosen to show just how not indestructible they, we are. Yeah, and yeah, for me anyway, I totally got Catelyn's like fascination with like the Virgin Mary and praying and going to mass and the church like so often as a way to like cope with that kind of dude no Katie yeah, like, like it's the church like you're you're gay man you can be gay and have a religion Katie yeah, but like the church man, all the raping all the denial of homosexuality is like a thing like saying that you're going to hell like, if I was Muslim and had found a way to marry up being Muslim with being gay would you be talking to me like this right now I hate when you use this example of mine but it's so effective Katie and you like walk into it every time it's very satisfying to watch it really is <laughs> okay but like I'm not Muslim yeah I wasn't raised Muslim I haven't studied Islam I'm not in any way qualified to have an opinion on Islamic practice however I was tasked with drawing pictures in crayon of Jesus Christ King of Kings being crucified in religion workbooks from the age of four I think I can have an opinion on cap uh, you are gonna say capitalism yeah I was because capitalism is also wrong but what we're talking about right now is my opinion on Catholicism which is that it's pants okay you're putting that in the manifesto like, I don't think there's any room for Antonelles in that manifesto uh, excuse you guys I have prioritised the content of my manifesto precisely and it is mostly devoted to the correct way in which to eat a pop tart Edges first and then the delicious synthetic centre. The delicious synthetic centre in four bites, Sarah. This is crucial and further proves the necessity of the manifesto. Um, but going back to my relationship with my religion, <laughs> I suppose. Like, like you don't have a religion, Lena. <laughs> That's my point, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! This, this is what I'm here for, right here, front row, sis. I'm watching this, oh my god! <laughs> But yeah, like it's not like I'm a practicing Catholic. Like yeah, Catholicism has no place for me, as you rightly say, Katie. Like it's yeah, denies the existence of people like me. But like I was, and like I did have a bit of a yeah, a fixation on the church there for a while. Well, like on to mass and all. Yeah, yeah, it would have been after my mom left and like when Daddy started drinking properly. Um, the church near me, anyway. It's it's real nice and sort of like calm or something and like the priest was always real nice and like interesting and stuff the, the homilies were never about like giving out or anything they were always about just whichever saint had their feast day that week and like the church had like loads of statues for like different saints like it wasn't like just Our Lady and St. Anthony like it was there was centuries of the child Jesus and Padre Pio and, and St. Joseph was in there like oh I love St. Joseph like you could imagine him like looking out for you you know Oh, that's so nice, Kleena. Ah, it served a purpose. Like, I, I, I started, things were, like, out of control and, like, going to the church and, like, all the iconography and the statues and the rules and saying prayers and offering stuff up. It just it sort of helps you feel safe, you know? Like, the only problem with it is because people don't really go to mass or churches anymore. People kind of notice you now and, like, try to recruit you into, like, the Legion of Mary when you just want to sit there and light candles. Like... Yeah, 
it's it it kind of gets a bit obvious then that you know your mismatched church um even though it seems like it had nothing to do with burying dead babies in mass graves and sending women to work as slaves and covering up rape upon rape upon rape and like it did it was involved everyone was involved it's all part of the same web of lies Whoa, like, I know I'm like anti-church, but that is, that is bleak. That got bleak really quick, man. Like, why are you here? What, like, you are so inconsistent, Katie. I am complex and you love it. <laughs> if you guys want to stop flirting for a second, <laughs> you should be so lucky, <laughs> Katie. What I really like, though, and it kind of feeds into that idea of, like, me going to the church to, like, I don't know, make sure bad things didn't happen. Like, that's a really Irish thing, like, how how pagan we are about religion. Yes, yes. St. Bridget's crosses to protect the house from burning down. Oh, we'll have to get a priest in to bless this house. We've had nothing but bad luck since we moved in here. <gasps> Not Dr. and Dr. Flannery, Saoirse. <laughs> no, 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 no. My aunt, though, Dad's older sister, she is all about the parish priest. Oh, yeah. Did you just know that the death notices being on the radio, that's not a thing in other countries. What? How do people know when to go to the funeral? <laughs> oh, you'll never guess who died. Like, dude, every time I go see my nana, she has something to say to me about some woman she went to school with that just died and how she was like mean to her in like first class when they were studying for their communion or whatever. Yeah, how do other people survive without that key portion of their culture? Like genuine. But like, yeah, the religion living side by side with paganism thing. Like there was there was a ton of Irish mythology in there too. Right? Yeah, we had the children of Lear, ignored stepmother, turns children she'll never be better than into swans cursed to roam the seas for 300 years like they get converted to christianity when they turn human again don't they yeah that's that's kind of my point like most people did in those stories um i'm pretty sure ushin does when he comes back from tuning out ah we couldn't have poor el ushin going to hell just because he followed some brasser to a secondary location <laughs> secondary location that's where you get jumped katie you know that yeah and have to stay there for several hundred years without realizing thereby missing saint patrick coming to ireland and the advent of christianity <laughs> yes <laughs> did did you guys think that Bob might have been inspired by the Ellen Trekkins? What in the name of the good Lord Jesus is that? You, my friend, are going to a Granny Nolan place right now and I am so here for it. It is not even funny. It wasn't too much, now. Well, I mean, you're not going to make me eat clove rock that's been sitting out on your sitting room table for approximately 25 years, no? Oh my God, Katie, I forgot you came down me to drop our new trolley down to like, dude, seriously, that clove rock is still in my system. I can feel it. Yeah, you should not have eaten that. She was give oh, me a slap, man. Yeah, boy, you should have just <laughs> taken it, you sap. <laughs> but yeah, clean now. What is the Ellen trick? generous oh <laughs> it's it's yeah it's the tree-headed monster that's usually shown as a bird. I think it's uh I think it lives lived in like a cave in like Leitrim or Roscommon yeah or yeah Roscommon oh that explains it Chloe man you know a sum total of absolutely zero about Roscommon who's the only county in Ireland to vote against marriage equality <gasps> oh my god would the Ellen Trigeneres try to eat Panty Bliss if it was still alive dude what you hate Ellen Trigeneres well yeah but I'm pretty sure she's in support of marriage equality man oh yeah yeah I should like think think with your brain yeah, that yeah, that would be a good idea. <laughs> like it was, it was just kind of cool that yeah, Bob was a raven, and Madeline and Catelyn refer to Bob as day. Like, kind of made me think it was a bit of a wordplay thing because, like, of course, Bob can be gender non-binary. Like, more power to them. But like, also, like maybe there are three of Bob in the one Bob. You know, 
Dude, you didn't think of that Deirdre told Elsie that you couldn't just let me win one. <laughs> but like, it's the thing is, I found Bob being referred to as they like, like pretty challenging. Like, dude. Oh my God, Katie, I'm not saying I have a problem with they pronouns. I'm saying I'm not used to using them outside of a plural context. And that was a really useful learning exercise. Oh my God. Okay, I properly miss Saoirse Fierce being in the room right here. And like, Katie, do you need some antiseptic or something? What? Like for the second degree born you just got? <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest pterodactyl scream ever. And now can we just get rid of that impulse? Nope, it's in there forever. Okay. Punishment fist to crime. But no, it's something that like I think we can like rely on Deirdre for as like an author. Like like there are challenges to conventional thinking in all of her books, either by virtue of challenges or missteps the characters themselves go through, like Prim in the Prim and Proper series, like immediately comes to mind, or the actual lived experiences of her characters in Needlework, in Savage Reply, in the stories in Tangleweed and Brian. Like you need to read all of those books, by the way. Yeah, no, 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 I know what you mean. Like I really really like that with the challenging stuff in there also at the same time it's not laid on so thick that it takes from either the tone of the book the quality of the voices we hear or the force that like drives it forward like which is really in the in this case for for PPD and 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 perfect catastrophe it's this sense of like connectedness and sisterhood that the sisters can like pretty much rely on all the time either relying on each other or relying on like what they know on on their own talents you know like but like the sisterhood thing like right down to the tiniest throwaway comments and gestures like like me and Astrid do the eyebrows too though in fairness like Astrid's are mostly just for when she's punning oh my god is Astrid back yeah 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 she came back there like two weeks ago or so she keeps going to use French words instead of English ones like she just can't get out of the habit of speaking a different language like it's it's a lot but you love her regardless <laughs> hen party willy pinata or no hen party willy I'm gonna watch that video again. But no, we need to stop. We have been talking for Jesus Christ. We've been talking for an hour and a half, you guys. Shit, man. But you know, it's we needed to fangirl that much. This this book, these books are fiercely feminist and loving and sort of like I don't know, sort of feel like protection spells or something in like how it feels to read oh them. Oh my god, yes! I am so embarrassed for you right now. Oh my god, I am like so torn between calling Sarah a sap and telling Katie she kills Joy wherever she goes. Yeah, be careful, Chloe. You could pull a muscle in your brain. I'm, like, I am in significant physical danger here, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus but, but yes, we would very much uh, recommend reading if you want to get a good dose of magical feminism, learn how to sow salt and rowan bark into the hemlines of those you love and Aww. also appreciate what I think we can all agree is the best erotic chimney metaphor certainly of our lifetime oh my god there's no question yeah have you have you made the Pulitzer committee aware Sarah? oh my god thank you Clay oh Pulitzer email erotic chimney metaphor Okay, um, but yes, that's that's it from us today, you guys. Perfectly preventable deaths and precious catastrophe are available at all reputable booksellers. Shop independent if you can, and you can follow Deirdre Sullivan at at Proper Miss on Twitter and Instagram. Our next book will, in the spirit of the series, also be someone we heart loads. Um, we're going to go back to Susan Lanigan and her prequel to Lucy's War, which we covered in our um, Unique Heroines series. Um, White Feathers. 
You guys might remember Susan has been a really vocal supporter of the show for like ages and we're super eager to go back and cover another of her books because, you know, let's be real, Elsie appreciates any support coming her way. Um, But yes, if you can, please, please, please like and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and reviews really do help. Um, If you could leave one, we would just we would just love you forever. Um, But if uh, you want to keep up with more thoughts on the episode, the odd insight into our ridiculous group chat um, and, and just, yeah, general knowledge nonsense you can find us on instagram at at life chicklet four on twitter at at chicklet for life one and on tiktok at at chicklet for life we will see you guys in december and in the meantime stay safe stay hydrated wash those hands mask up we're gonna get those hospital numbers down yo let's do it all right lads it's bootsy here at two tours one chain so, update on the app. Did you just know there were, like, apps that you can use to make apps? Like, this computer science, like, first year rolls up like it's going to code our app with, like, numbers and all. And, like, next time I download some yoke off the app store and acting like that's something me and Jono, like, can't do ourselves. Like, so I said to him, like, get out of here, you. Like, we're going to be paying you, like, 20 quid for that bollocks. So, like, me and Jono are going to be working on the bespoke two tours, one chain app. It'll be finished, you know, as soon as uh, John agrees that a blue and teal colour scheme is the only option that we can go with. Heck, the Tour de France leader's jersey is yellow. Our app should be yellow. We're not a spandex cyclist bike shop, John. you know that. Eh, uh, but yeah, um, so come on down, because our app ain't ready yet. Come on down to two tours, one chain. Our prices cannot be bet. Two tours, one chain.